Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dale's Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome in to the Sox on Tap post game show. It's Johnny Nani. I am back on the mic. Got my guy NWI Steve with me. Uh, Steve, this one not too uh, pleasant of a note to come back on for me. Um, tough one tonight in Detroit, and uh, we got some other news to share that is not great, Bob. Hey, yo, Johnny. Um, not great, Bob is the appropriate lead in to this episode here because. Uh, a lot of not-so-great things happening here today during the game and, uh, as you mentioned here, after the game. Yeah, uh, Creeping Concern, title of this episode, and uh, very legitimate concerns, uh, obviously voiced uh, by Tony LaRusa after the game regarding Carlos Rodon. We'll get into that update in a second, listeners. Make sure you visit ontapsportsnet.com for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Give us a follow on social media, at SoxOnTap, at ontapsportsnet. When you need White Sox merch, Grandstand is the place to go. Go visit them right by the ballpark, 35th and Walls. Shop online, grandstandsocks.com, and hit them up on social media at Grandstand Sox. So, Steve, we need to get right into this because the news uh, that is hot right now is Carlos Rodon uh, wasn't right exiting the game after just three innings tonight. Um, you and I uh, kind of commiserated briefly uh, about this right before we jumped on, but uh, let's open it up for full discussion here now. This is really a big problem. Simply put, I don't know how deep of a run this team realistically can make in October without a healthy, functional Carlos Rodon. We saw in the first half of the season just how effective he was and how good he was with his fastball command, being able to utilize his slider to complement the fastball. He's dealt with some lingering shoulder issues here now for the better part of six weeks, and every time he comes back, has you know one start, and you think, okay, we're going to just gradually build him back up here, and we're going to have him ready to roll for the postseason – get another setback right now. And it's really kind of getting to the point here where you have to almost look at it as if they're just not going to have a fully functional Carlos Rodon ready for the postseason here that starts in, you know, just a little bit over two weeks. So this is really a major concern for this team now going forward here. Yeah, right. So the official word from Tony Lurisi says, like I mentioned, uh, reported soreness uh, and said he wasn't right after the third inning. Uh, Lurisi says that Los will need to be examined and reassessed, but at this point, it's doubtful he pitches next week. So uh, just that builds on just what you were talking about there. Um that should be a preparation scenario where uh, you're, you know, thinking about going into the playoffs without Carlos Rodon. Um, that brings up a point uh, that uh, I was, you know, just talking to you about, and that's uh, you're looking at a Dylan C start then in game three, most likely. Um, 
that is a little bit scary. Uh, I know Dylan Cease has some excellent stuff. He has some uh, strikeout swing, uh, you know, swing and miss uh, ability uh, in that arm of his. But at the same time, he's also prone to the big inning. Still a young guy uh, coming into his own uh, as a pitcher, his first full season, really, uh, in the bigs here this year. And that's a big stage for him to be put on. And like you mentioned, are you staving off elimination at that point? So you lose the first two in Houston, back home in Chicago. Best of five series. That could be the last one in a do or die game. Yeah, there, there's a lot to unpack there, Johnny. I think the fact of the matter is with Dylan Cease, we've all seen the flashes of potential here this season, and he has overall taken some steps forward uh, significantly over where he was his first two seasons in Chicago pitching for the White Sox. But the fact of the matter is from start to start, we still don't really know which Dylan Cease we're going to get. And as you alluded to there, he can go out there and he can have nine strikeouts in five innings, but he'll have that one inning where everything just kind of gets out of sync a little bit. And next thing you know, three or four runs are on the board. And in October, when you got to win every single game there, that could be the difference between this team continuing to play or sitting on their couch and having an early exit in the postseason. And that's where I think it's really going to be very important now. And I think it goes without question at this juncture this rotation now is going to be lining up. you got Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, games one and two. I think there was a lot of question about that for maybe the last couple of weeks, people wondering if Carlos Rodon was fully healthy and ready to go. Would he maybe slide into one of those two games right there? But I think at this juncture here, it's pretty clear what the rotation is going to be lined up as at this point. And this is where you're going to need your two big horses and, and your two big guys that uh, want to be at the top of this rotation here. They're going to have to step up and they're going to have to find a way to win a game on the road in Houston so that you're not staving off elimination with uh, Dylan Cease there at home in game three. Yeah, right. And we were thinking ahead here. Um, obviously, this news just dropping uh, on us like a bomb here right after the game. So uh, we wanted to get to that first and foremost. But there is plenty else uh, that is going on in White Sox land here. Uh, Ezra is still in the news department. Adam Engel expected to be activated tomorrow. And speaking of tomorrow, Tuesday's game, the 21st of September, it will not be the 21st night of September. It will be a matinee uh, afternoon start that was pushed up due to inclement weather in the forecast around Detroit. 12, 10 p.m. Central Time start uh, tomorrow, that Tuesday. September 21st. So uh, that's it for the news here. I guess the other thing is, uh, you know, this is one thing that uh, it's getting old for White Sox fans to hear this, but Cleveland did lose two today. They lost a pair, uh, you know, doubleheader to the Royals. So Magic number is at two. We were hoping uh, it looked good early for the Sox uh, that Magic uh, number might be at one. Clinching scenario uh, might be in the uh, cards tomorrow. Uh, but if they were to clinch tomorrow, that would be because of Cleveland loss. And that would also mean Rain is holding out uh, in Cleveland there too because uh, they're playing that series there and uh weather is supposed to impact that whole area so we'll see what happens there but the white Sox magic number is at two that does it for the news here steve uh let's get into this game initial thoughts from what you saw tonight in a 4-3 loss to open this series at detroit well as we talked about early on carlos Rodon just simply didn't have it today you kind of see from the outset really he did not have the normal zip on the fastball that we have grown accustomed to seeing here this season and just a lot of deep counts is really struggling to put guys away he did rack up i want to say it was um you know five or six strikeouts six, in, the, six in, the, in the yeah yeah so he, he did have the six strikeouts in the three innings, but he was working a lot of a lot of deep counts there i think at one point he had you know six three two counts on, on, on maybe the first nine or ten hitters of the game so just 
really putting himself in a position to not be able to go deep. And you could just see he did not have that hard biting slider tonight to be able to complement the fastball, which was down from a velocity standpoint. He was sitting 92, 93 consistently. Did see him ramp it up to about 96 on a couple of occasions, but the, the slider just wasn't there to give him that complimentary second offering. And that really made him essentially a one-pitch pitcher tonight with that decreased velocity. You could see the results just really weren't there, and now we simply know why. Yeah, exactly. Steve, you hit all the points I was going to talk about. I was going to say fastball, velo down, kind of riding in the low 90s there. I think he pumped it up to 95 one time, maybe hit 96 uh, on one occasion. Uh, 195 mile an hour one was a nice strikeout. He did paint a uh, bottom inside quarter of the zone. Uh, but other than that, uh, that's about the best that you saw. Like you mentioned, the slider not crisp tonight. So uh, that's not going to turn out well. Uh, in his favor. Um, overall, though, when he did leave the game, uh, was uh, tied fair, three uh, three there. Um, unfortunately, one run. Uh, you know, you allowed three runs total, but only two of them earned. Uh, we will get into another topic of why that run uh, was unearned there. Um, but other than that, initial thoughts from this one, um, Jose Bray resting tonight. You know, he's banged up all over the place. He's played, you know, the majority, uh, almost every single game uh, this season. But, uh, you know, at some point he needs to rest uh, in with the White Sox. On the verge of clinching here, uh, you know, it's – probably about time uh, that he gets a day or two of rest every once in a while. So that was the other thing here. Uh, and I guess the, the next thought that I have is, uh, you know, subtraction by addition two trade deadline acquisitions, Cesar Hernandez and Craig Kimbrell, uh, not helping the white Sox one bit tonight. Uh, go ahead and start with Cesar. Cause you just wrote about it uh, for the website. All that Yeah. Pretty ironic that the day that I dropped my, my return piece, you know, back into the social media, Twitter sphere, talking about Cesar Hernandez and really we're, we're at a point now where we have to start questioning and Tony La Russa is going to have to make a hard decision. Is this going to be the guy that's going to be playing second base come October 7th when the ALDS gets going? And we saw some really shoddy defense tonight from Cesar Hernandez, which you know was supposed to be his calling card. This is a guy that won a gold glove in the shortened season last year. And in the piece I wrote today, I talked about surprisingly his defensive metrics have actually picked up since the the trade to the Sox where he's worth five defensive runs saved um, in about the six-week time frame, which is that's pretty elite-level defense right there, despite not necessarily meeting the eye test. And the eye test really, once again, kind of showed that today with a couple of the boneheaded plays that he made out there. So this just kind of adds more fuel to the fire of, you know, now with Adam Engel coming back tomorrow, probably seeing a vast majority of the time in right field, are we going to start to see Larry Garcia now shifting more of his playing time towards second base? And I think at this juncture, it's very hard to argue with right now. Right. And, and I, you know what I, you know, I would love to see the White Sox have everybody going at full strength and everybody's looking good. And we, we have no concerns about this and it's just throw your best nine out there and you can substitute in and have no problems. But it's kind of interesting now, Steve, me being a longtime Larry Garcia supporter, I see a lot of people now. They're there on my side of the fence. It's, oh, Larry needs to start at second base in the playoffs. Um, feel like you're there too now. You know, I I will say this. I've been very back and forth on Larry. I, I certainly have had moments where my criticism has been pretty harsh towards him, admittedly. But there have also been a number of times where I've, I've talked about the fact that he is really a good functional utility player. I, I just have a tendency to think that he probably does get a little too exposed if he is thrust into everyday action. But at this particular point in time right now, and the fact is, you know, since August 1st, he's really been one of the most productive offensive players on the White Sox roster. 
And Tony La Russa is a guy that loves to ride the hot hand. So at this point, Cesar Hernandez, if he's not going to give you any value defensively, he's giving you nothing with the bat. What is the calling card here? What is the reason for him to be out there getting a majority of the playing time at second base when Larry Garcia, despite some of the issues that he has had defensively at second base, the bat is, is getting the job done right now. And you've got to be at least positive on one side of the baseball. And Larry's doing that. Right, and Lurie goes and stretches. I think that is important to remember uh, because he's in the midst of a hot stretch right now, and it's great. You love seeing the value. Uh, you love seeing uh, he's putting the ball out of the yard a little bit. You know, that walk-off against Boston last Sunday, uh, that was nice to see, and he had uh, you know home run, I believe, on the Friday night game too. Uh, so getting a little more pop uh, out of the bat and uh, a little bit more consistency. Uh, slash line's looking good uh, over the last month or so uh, for Larry there. Uh, but yeah, going to be very interesting decisions here. Um, and let's not put the cart ahead of the horse here. There is still, you know, a little over two weeks left uh, of action uh, here in this uh, regular season here, uh, right around two weeks here. So uh, we'll, we'll be very interested to see. Uh, go check that article out on tipsportsnet.com. Uh, it's about, the Keystone conundrum uh, in our White Sox section there regarding Cesar Lurie. And then uh, what returns of guys like Adam Engel and Andrew Vaughn mean uh, for deployment in those situations. So uh, you can go check that out once again on tapsportsnet.com. Well, let's get into the game a little bit here. White Sox go up in the top of the third, uh, you know, uh, string together a little bit of uh, Mancata RBI grounding into a force out, but uh, that brings a run home after the Sox had loaded him up. Uh, Goodwin starting that off with the walk of his own. Uh, Anderson at the single and Robert being hit by the pitch uh, to set that up. And then uh, Yasmani Grandal hit the ball over the park. If he's not walking, uh, he gets sack fly driving that second run. Then Eloy uh, puts one out to right center uh, off the wall. Um, 3-0 White Sox at this time. Uh, feel good at the top of the third. That wouldn't last long, though, unfortunately. Yeah, that was really a, a pretty nice rally from the Sox overall, seeing them string together a number of hits in the one big takeaway that I had during that inning was the opposite field RBI double from Aloy. Hopefully that was the thing that was going to get him turned around. We've all talked about, and, and we've all seen the numbers here. He's really been in the midst of a funk probably for about, you know, the last uh, three or four weeks at this, at this juncture. And he's a guy that typically when he gets going, it usually starts with him driving the ball up the middle in the opposite way. So the hope is that maybe that is the thing that kind of gets his timing back a little bit and gets him back to being that middle of the order thumper that this team really needs right now. Yeah, right. And, and you know, th this is kind of a show littered with a lot of negatives and it's it sucks. If, you know, the tone's always a little bit, you know, more dampened uh, after a loss here. But I, I do want to sprinkle in a few positive notes here. Just like you mentioned there, you, you explained the tactical stuff very well. Uh, but regarding Eloy Jimenez here, um, get him getting going a little bit, like you said, driving the ball the other way or back up the middle that can help get him in there. Uh, if he gets back into a rhythm here, and first of all, let's, let's take a step back. That ball is probably out at multiple ballparks throughout here. I'd like, you know, Steve, I would love to be able to generate it in like live time and see the chart. I know they do on the broadcast every once in a while, but see which, uh, you know, how many ballparks and where that would have landed at in comparison to guaranteed rate field or where, where have you? Um, I think that'd be a home run at Houston too. So if we're talking about playoff series. That's a two-run shot by Eloy Jimenez there, right? Absolutely. You know, Detroit, that right center field gap, that's one of the biggest power alleys in the entire league. So I feel pretty confident that's most likely a home run in, in 29 other parks. Maybe, yeah. maybe maybe 28 after after spending the weekend down at that uh, warehouse down in Arlington, Texas. I don't know. Maybe that ball doesn't get out of there. But uh, pretty much the vast majority of 
the parks across the league, that ball's gone. Right. So we can take a positive from that. Uh, Eloy, you know, starting to hit for a little bit, not, not the home run. I think everybody, we, we want to see it. And I think there has been one since calendar turned to September here, uh, which is unfortunate, but uh, he was uh, pretty hot uh, for a stretch there. So once again, going kind of going uh, with our theme of guys uh, going in stretches and, uh, you know, missing the time with the injury. Uh, I don't expect him to be uh, right up there mashing every single day uh, of every single, you know, uh, contest that the White Sox play here. So, uh, that might be a step in the right direction for Eloy Jimenez. But like I'd mentioned, this wouldn't last long. Tigers would tie it back up with three runs of their own uh, in the bottom of the third. And as I alluded to earlier, two of them uh, were earned, one unearned. Let's just get right into Cesar Hernandez. What the hell was going on here? Uh, I was a little distracted here, so walk me through a little bit. I know there's a diving play up the middle. Uh, that that one is you know kind of in between. You don't know if that's expected to be made or maybe at least knocks it down. But then the next one, uh, the fielder's choice, uh, along with an error to go with it for Cesar. That was just brutal. So uh, go ahead and give thoughts on it, especially since uh, that's your point of focus here today. My reaction when I saw that, I literally tweeted, what in the fuck? I, I don't know what he's he's trying to accomplish on the, in that play right there. You've got to get at least one out in that circumstance. The overwhelming likelihood is you're not going to turn the double play. So you have to find a way to get one out. Either go make the tag on the base runner or just walk it over to second base. Get one out in that particular spot. You can't walk out of that situation without getting a, a single out and allowing the base runners to advance because ultimately that opened the floodgates to that inning, allowing Detroit to tie it. So just from, from a mental aspect, I don't know if maybe he was flustered because of the fact that he didn't get to that ground ball up the middle, the the previous hitter. Maybe it was in the back of his mind right there and, and he was just trying to do too much to – maybe make up for that play right there thinking, Hey, I can, I can tag this base runner here and then try to get a quick throw over to first and get a double play and help us, you know, get closer to getting out of the inning. But you have to ensure that you get at least one out in that spot. He just didn't do it. And it was brutal. Yeah, no, an interesting situation there uh, on that play that fielder's choice we're talking about. Um, that was because as he's coming in front of the bag there, that's where the runner needs to go, starts backing up a little bit. So what does he do? He tags him with the glove, but the ball is in the hand. Um, so it looks like he was ready to throw at that point. Um, like you'd said, walk it over second base. If Tim Anderson's there, give a little flip there. And if you just get the one there, at least, you know, maybe the situation, uh, it doesn't change too, too much with the end result there. Uh, but I think the, you know, I think Benetti put it well. It looked like Williamsport out there. It looks like that was turning into not the good kind, you know, little league baseball, uh, definitely at play there. Um, you have a feeling that Cesar maybe getting in his own head a little bit, maybe frustrated by his struggles at the plate. Um, so got to respond. That's, that's the task for Cesar Hernandez down the home stretch. Um, I'd be remiss though. I, I'm not taking blame off Cesar Hernandez because that, that was a rough play, just rough to watch, probably rough for him to digest in the dugout. But Carlos Rodon did not set himself up for success in this inning because let off the, excuse me, uh, lead off man, uh, drew a walk and then uh, allowed a single uh, back to back singles right after that. Uh, the second one being that ball, the middle that we were talking about with Cesar. So, um, you know, could be different if, say, you get the first out and then you start, you know, if someone gets on, then uh, it's a little different. Because then if you get that ground ball up the middle, say Cesar stops it, then you could be looking at a highlight reel double play. So just wanted to point that out. That is where Rodon's uh, night would kind of uh, start to come to a quick end there. Um, so he would come out. And overall, though, uh, one, you know, talked about having some positives here. Uh, bullpen for the most part, until we get to the back end, let's just focus on some middle guys here. Um, Jose Ruiz for two, no damage. Uh, 
Crochet, one, two, three inning of his own. Burr, one, two, three inning of his own uh, with two strikeouts uh, to boot there. So middle guys here, let's save. Save the last one. We know what happened there. We'll get to that in a second. But middle guys, at least this offers a little bit of uh, hope for other, you know, maybe other outings that have been shaky for some of these guys. You're right, Johnny. And a couple of guys I want to really highlight there. Jose Ruiz, he's a guy that's really been much maligned throughout a good portion of the season by segments of the fan base. And I know our, our buddy Tony certainly has some very strong opinions on Jose Ruiz, but the fact of the matter is Ruiz has done, I would say a pretty solid job being a low leverage reliever. Tony gave him an opportunity to pitch himself into some higher leverage situations and things didn't pan out and that's okay. Needing guys to be, you know, that first, first arm out of the bullpen in, in a close game, that stuff is important, and Ruiz has done a pretty solid job in that particular role right there, and so there is value to that. And Garrett Crochet really quietly in the last six weeks or so has thrown the ball surprisingly well. If you go back and if you look, um, I know uh, Sox Machine Penals actually put a tweet out there earlier uh, tonight kind of talking and breaking down some of the numbers that he's had over the last six weeks. He's just been going out there and just burying guys and doing it really quietly, and I think we've really gotten collectively as a fan base hung up on the decline in velocity from mm-hmm. him here this season that we're overlooking the, the just general effectiveness that he has been able to provide to this team in a much needed spot. Yeah, right. I'd add on with that. You don't need to throw 101 to get out. It looks cool. That's cool stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's sweet when the radar gun pops triple digits. I love it. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time for the longevity of his arm uh, and you know, just doing what you need to do, get out of an inning, uh, maybe pitching Conte, using the slider a little bit more. That thing's not getting up to 100 miles an hour. Uh, I, I would agree that it's you know not uh, not something that uh, should be underappreciated just because he's not throwing as hard as he did uh, in his rookie, you know, very brief uh, rookie season there. So um, that, that does it for the kind of the middle, uh, maybe the last of the good here uh, until we look ahead to uh, future games here. Uh, White Sox with a couple of very minor opportunities in the middle innings here, but never able to string anything together like they did uh, in that third inning. And then we get to the eighth. And Craig Kimbrell looks like he's uh, going to roll just like the other guys in the bullpen did tonight, Steve. Two outs uh, right away. Um, believe both those are strikeouts as well. And then he hits better. That's Grossman. You can live with that. It's okay, but you don't want to open it up. Of course, what does he do? Steal second, and Kimbrell throws a wild pitch on that. Not that it would have mattered. I think Grossman would have been safe anyway. But after that, um, RBI single four. Um, yeah, let's see. In that situation, it, it, I honestly, it doesn't even matter. Kimbrell put himself in that spot. RBI single when against the lefty there when you had a righty on deck there. Uh, interesting spot here for Craig Kimbrell ends up getting a loss because of this. White Sox dropped the game, aren't able to do anything in the top half of the ninth. Uh, kind of more of that subtraction by addition. It's getting a little worrisome. Craig Kimbrell is one of them creeping concerns, and unfortunately, it has been most of his outing since he came over. Craig Kimbrell simply has not been good since maybe his first two or three appearances for the Sox. I know everyone likes to look at that um, that home run he gave up at, at Wrigley on that Friday afternoon game. The Sox eventually came back and won. But you know, maybe the first seven to ten days or so, he was throwing the ball pretty well, and that really has not 
continued forward here. One thing of particular note to me tonight was he also had a noticeable downtick in his velocity. He was only sitting about 93, 94 with the fastball. And that's a guy that you're used to seeing 96 to 98. So if there's a downtick in velocity there, given some of the command issues that he's had, that's really compounding some of the problems that we've seen from him over the last month or so. And this is a guy that ultimately they need to find a way to get right going into October because he he has the upside and the talent to be a difference maker in the back end of a bullpen. We've all known and we've all seen over the course of his career just how good he is and how effective he can be, but he's simply not getting the job done right now. And they got to figure out what exactly the issue is here and they got to do it quickly. Right. And, you know, if you look back to that Tampa series, if you remember that, he had talked about uh, it being kind of a mechanical uh, adjustment with him uh, and said that he had, you know, gone to school on the film, looked at that, uh, fixed it, but um, not showing up in the results here. So I think that adds to our theme of creeping concern here. Uh, and it's even more than creeping. Uh, it's more at the forefront. I kind of did that because there is still the title that uh, creeping concerns. There are still you know a couple of weeks here uh, to figure out. But I feel like we've been saying that. We're like, oh, we got another month. Oh, we got another, you know, however many games left to go and figure this out. Um, some of these problems don't look like uh, they're on the track to being fixed here. I agree. I've talked about this for quite a while now. And I think in baseball parlance, this is something that is frequently talked about really the last seven to 10 days before the start of the postseason. You really got to get things cranking. You really got to get things rolling on all cylinders. And I can't really think of one particular phase of the game right now that the Sox are operating efficiently here. The bullpen has been very up and down. The offense has been remarkably inconsistent. We've seen issues from the starting pitching and now the injury front here with Carlos Rodon. This team is, I, I, I've kind of said, it seems like they're just sleepwalking and going through the motions for a little bit over a month now. We're getting to a point here where a switch does need to be flipped. Um, you know, they've got, the, I think it's 11 games left here in the regular season. It, it's time to start playing some crisp baseball, especially on the defensive front. We saw game two against Oakland last year, how defense can derail a game in October, and ultimately that can be the difference in the team's you know, season continuing or going home. And this defense right now is just playing atrocious, if we're being completely honest, and they got to figure that out. Right, yes. So very evident uh, concerns there on the forefront. Uh, one thing, that not to be Mr. Silver lining on the show, but if you are looking for something that is trending in the right direction, I would say – Obviously, Asmani Grandal. That's been a no doubter since he is returned uh, from his knee surgery. That that is, you know, I think Benetti said it right tonight. He's probably the toughest out in baseball right now, and I'd agree because uh, if, if you're leaving it out of the zone against him, he's just going to walk. Put it in there. Hey, you even put it outside like tonight. Broke that double down the left field line. That's one thing that is very positive. So there is at least a constant in the middle of the lineup there. Uh, other things too, though, um, this is kind of backtracking, not uh, necessarily from tonight's game, but from over the weekend, Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito looks like those injured list stints did them well. And obviously different things. It's not the arm for them. It was lower body stuff uh, for those guys. But I think that rested them well in that if they, as long as you said, like you ramp it up, start putting together those crisp outings for those guys individually uh, at the end here, you could have, uh, you know, a nice setup there and maybe a little extra rest, maybe a little extra juice for the postseason. So uh, those two 
um, at the top of the rotation there. And then he has money. Um, and then I think Pito too. Uh, I think there's, you know, he, he was off tonight, the little bumps and bruises here. But at the end of the day, I think that guy's a warrior. And no matter what, he's not going to uh, let anything keep him sidelined for too long. I would be shocked if he's not back in the lineup tomorrow so th- those are my kind of last uh you know if you're looking for one thing that is going in the right direction i agree overall phases of the game not great but some individuals there i just wanted to leave that and i don't know if you had any thoughts on that before we move on to the next game you pretty much hit everything spot on there i have nothing further to add counselor all right well let's talk game two here uh like we mentioned this game is bumped up no longer 5 40 start on tuesday afternoon tuesday night it will be 12 10 Tuesday afternoon. So, uh, you know, get get, uh, get it in while you're at work. Uh, throw on the headphones, listen to Len and DJ or uh, whatever you have to do. Uh, this one is bumped up now here. Um, it will be Dallas Keuchel on the mound for the White Sox. Tyler Alexander for the Tigers here. White Sox magic number is at two. So a win plus a Cleveland loss, if they play tomorrow, would be a clincher. Um, how are we going to get there if we set it up, Steve? Well, We've talked for several weeks now about Dallas Keuchel and the issues that he's had. Just he, He's just not really commanding much of anything. He's getting knocked all around the park. This Tigers offense, they, they've proven to be pretty pesky here of late, winning games and winning series against Tampa, and then this, this game coming back here tonight from a three-run deficit. Keuchel's got to go out there and he's got to find the strike zone. He's got to pound it from pitch number one. He's gotten himself in trouble far too often in the last two months working behind guys, walking guys, setting himself up for the big inning. So he's got to find a way to go out there. And we saw a little bit of a change to some of his pitch usage. His last start really kind of ditching the cutter more, relying very heavily on the sinker. So it'll be interesting to see if he does that again. And on the offensive side of the equation, I'm looking to see some better at-bats because I think that the second half of this game here tonight, once Detroit tied the game, it's almost like this team just kind of put it on cruise control and they were not working – at bats and, and plate appearances very effectively. They were just going up there in in hack mode, really, for lack of a better term. And just the quality of the bats was piss poor. So, got to clean that up here. Need to go out there and have a have a good strong effort here and get a win tomorrow. Right, and I'd say maybe exception there, uh, as I was talking about earlier. Yasmani Grandal uh, seems to do everything yep. right uh, as of late. And then uh, I think Luis Robert uh, had himself a couple of knocks as well, uh, even after uh, that whole kind of uh, shit show in the bottom of the third. So, uh, yeah, going to be interesting to see uh, Tyler Alexander on the mound for the Tigers. Like I mentioned, two and three, four, one, three ERA, seventy Ks on the year, uh, lefty. So uh, righty bats back in, and I would say Pito. Uh, and if we're going to start here with picks to click, I'll just go with that. I'm going to say he's in the lineup. Uh, if he's not for that soreness, I'll go with another righty bat that I just mentioned to Lou Bob Luis Robert. Well, since uh, Tony, you know, kind of let the cat out of the bag that he's expected to be activated tomorrow, lefty on the mound, I assume he's going to be in the lineup. So, Mr. Dump Truck himself, Adam Angle, you are the yes. man. Yes, yes, sir, Steve. Um, this. Man, it's it, it's tough when we're talking about these losses. Things get so down, but you know what? At the same time, there's going to be a day in the, whether it's uh, tomorrow night if Cleveland does play, or, or if it's Wednesday afternoon uh, and the White Sox say Cleveland gets rained out or whatever, and they have to play doubleheader. It won't even matter. Say the White Sox take care of business tomorrow night. They go out have that extra hunger on Wednesday night. We're going to be celebrating division championship at some point here. So I know we can't rest on our laurels. October is more important here, but hey. I think that's an accomplishment that we can all look forward to if you're looking for uh, something to not be down in the dumps about here right now. You're 100% right in that fact, Johnny. I have said for a long time, and a lot of people will scoff at this statement, but 
I, I personally think that winning a division title in baseball is the most challenging thing to do from a regular season standpoint in professional sports, just given the sheer volume of games yes. that you have to play. Um, a lot of things can go wrong over the course of 162 games. We've seen it with this team, and they have been able to overcome and persevere through that. The fact of the matter is that this will only be the White Sox sixth division title in the over 50 years of divisional play. So do not take this for granted. Do not take this lightly. We have not seen this as a fan base since 2008. That was a long time ago. I was just a young man. I had no gray hair at that point. <laughs> so these things, they should be cherished when they happen. Celebrate them because we haven't seen too many of them. And I know I'm going to be very appreciative of it when that moment finally does happen here at some point this week. Right. Regardless of all uh, sort of recent negative trends that seem to be coming up and concerns regarding postseason, all very legitimate. And it's still fine to hold those. But at the same time, you would be missing out and you'd be doing a disservice to yourself and your fandom uh, for investing so much time uh, and money. If you go to games, uh, you know, and merchandise, whatever it may be, uh, if you are not celebrating this and embracing it when it does happen um obviously uh, number at two so uh could be wednesday uh, is what we're looking like or you know tomorrow night if that game gets in i don't know if that's gonna work uh because i did not see a reschedule announcement from cleveland they haven't moved up their game like the Sox and detroit did uh, unless i'm just missing it here uh but as of right now that's still slated for a night game so uh it will be interesting to see uh when this thing actually does happen but you bet your ass we're gonna have a socks on tap party uh to celebrate that here uh um, and we'll do it live, do some crack action here. So I uh, can't wait for that when it finally comes. Uh, but at the same time, got to get to that point first. Uh, got to earn it, win a couple more ball games. And Steve, last thing, I would love to do it with a win. I know we could do it with the Cleveland loss here. It's just so much nicer when you're doing it with a win. And my last thing, I guess, is if you are able to you know, get a win tomorrow, regardless of what happens in Cleveland Tuesday night, it will be a matinee on that finale in Detroit. Uh, for that Wednesday game that was already scheduled for a uh, on a getaway day, twelve uh, ten start. It's gonna feel like 05 if they do it then. Remember that afternoon I, game at I, Detroit. I, I do, and I'll I'll tell you a little funny story about that. So, I was uh, twenty one years old during the two thousand and five season, and I was in college at the time, working part time as a bank teller, and I had some odd shifts that I worked. Uh, that particular day, when, when they clinched in Detroit, I had to work a, a four to eight shift. So I was able to watch the game, started at 1210, very similar to this. And I got to watch them clinch the division. And then five minutes after, you know, I, I watching the celebration, I had to leave to go to work. And I was jacked up all fucking day. Everybody was asking me, they're like, why are you in such a good mood? I'm like, because the Sox are going to the playoffs, baby, and they're going to win this whole fucking thing. So. I remember it. It's one of those memories that is burned into my brain. I remember Polly catching, you know, you know, jumping about a quarter of an inch off the ground there to catch that uh, low liner off the bat of Placido Polanco that Bobby Jenks hit. And, you know, going back and just hearing the radio call, John Rooney saying, it's a White Sox winner and a Central Division title. It's one of my happier memories as a White Sox fan, and hopefully we get another one of those here in the next day or two. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, the little quick uh, story re regarding uh, possible clincher. Since it is coming up here, uh, last year when the White Sox were on the verge of clinching that playoff spot in that series against the Twins, if you remember, it was a four-game set on the south side. They won games one and two. Um, game three, they would have won that. It was a night game on a Wednesday, I believe. Um, that would have been the clincher. 
Tony and I were watching together. Tony on tap, our guy. Over at his house in the garage, we were all ready. I brought a bottle of champagne over. We had the beer stock loaded. Unfortunately, White Sox not able to get it done last that night. We couldn't meet up for that Thursday game. It was a day game anyway. Um, they go and clinch there, so I, we said, okay, we're going to save that bottle for the, when they clinch the division, if they clinch the division. That never came to fruition thanks to the uh, you know last week and a half collapse there uh, that ensued after they clinched the playoff spot. That bottle of champagne is still sitting on Tony and Tap's fridge in his garage on top of it i think i'm gonna have to go over there rescue it as soon as whenever it is whenever it happens i'm gonna pop it open i don't care how nasty it is here's what i johnny here's what i'm thinking we need to do i'm thinking we need to get the four of us together and i think we need to go out you know in the garage at tony's and i think we need to celebrate this thing appropriately because as i talked about division titles don't come along for this team very often it's been a wild ride this year with the four of us going through and analyzing and breaking down all of these games. Maybe that's, maybe that's the place. Maybe, maybe we hold off until Friday. You know, look, I'll leave that to you and Tony to decide that if you guys want to pop that thing open the day that, that it gets clinched, certainly that's your prerogative. But I think in some way, shape or form here, a group celebration of this division title needs to take place. Right. Absolutely. And you know what the thing is, that was just for me and him uh, when we had planned that. So we're, we're going to need extra bottles of champagne if we have more people anyway. So Everyone bring their own. I think that's the best. Go right on the driveway. Let's pop that shit open and go nuts when it does happen. We're getting ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> Can't wait until that happens, but we're not there officially yet. Uh, we're on the verge, as Tim Anderson said. You know, we, we all know it. We all know it's going to happen. It's inevitable, but at the same time, we got to keep grinding. Keep grinding every day. So we'll keep grinding here at Sox on Tap. Hopefully the White Sox get themselves back on track tomorrow. Show uh, Chris, uh, you know, outing and uh, give us a little more hope uh, as things progress towards the playoff. Uh, it will be interesting. I think we'll be having a discussion tomorrow. I, I would say that Raylo probably looks better at this point mm-hmm. overall right now for a fourth spot. But, hey, Dallas Keuchel, hey, guess what? You have an opportunity. Do you know the news about Carlos Rodon now? Shit. It's your time to step up and own it. Um not going to say I'm confident that it will happen, but it is a door that has been opened. So something to watch for also added tomorrow, maybe a little extra fire uh, in Dallas Keuchel's game. So we shall see what happens. That does it for tonight's show, though. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you're visiting ontapsportsnet.com for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Follow us on social media at SoxOnTap at ontapsportsnet. And go to Grandstand whenever you need White Sox merchandise. It's right by the ballpark, 35th and Walls. You can shop online, GrandstandSox.com. Find their new releases on social media at Grandstand Sox. Steve, hit me some final words, and let's get the hell out of here. Right the ship. Let's get it done tomorrow. Division title, it's close. Let's go. All right. I love it. Couldn't set it better myself. Need crisp baseball down the stretch and let's start cleaning up the defense uh, because that is something that you can pretty much control almost all the time uh, unless the ball bounces off the top of the base like it did down Tampa Bay but other than that should be able to control uh, pretty crisp defense so uh, that's about it White Sox forever White Sox for life <laughs>